providing folks. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Um, thanks for joining us today. We will get started in just a moment, just giving a minute or two for folks to join in. So hang tight and we'll get started shortly. For those of you who are joining us just in the last minute or so, we're just uh, giving a couple extra minutes for folks to join in. So hang tight uh, and we'll get started shortly. Okay, so while uh, we give uh, maybe another 30, 40 seconds for folks to join in, I just wanted to go over uh, a few maybe ground rules, uh, uh, just some uh, basics here before we get started. Um, today's session will be recorded, so we will share the recording after the talk. So uh, don't uh, worry with uh, taking notes and such. If you want, you can always uh, see the recording later. In addition, if you have any questions, there is a Q&A section. Um, and so absolutely, right. Uh, feel free to add in questions and, uh, we will definitely answer all the questions towards the end, but Kyle can also see some of these. And so perhaps it may be possible for him to take a look at some questions, but I would, uh, rather that he focus on the, uh, the training and then we'll go through questions at the end. Um, other than that, um, there will be, I believe, a short survey at the end um, that we would love for your feedback on to just help us get a sense of uh, uh, where our audience is coming from and if there is anything we can do to give you uh, content better in, in any other format. So uh, just that quick uh, ground rules. Uh, with that, I'll quickly introduce our speaker today, Kyle Nelson. Uh, my colleague Kyle uh, has been a field application scientist with Kaijin for about the last couple of years. 
he is a fantastic trainer and has spent a lot of time with our products and has a rich knowledge about uh, all of our products, whether it be engineering pathway analysis or biomedical knowledge base. Uh, as a background, Kyle has a PhD from University of Iowa, and uh, he studied the mechanistic relationships between transcription and chromatin using cutting-edge sequencing methods for his postdoctoral at Penn State. And so he comes with a very rich background uh, in the topic that we are going to cover today. So with that, Kyle, I'll pass the ball to you. Um, please get started when you are ready. All right. Thank you, Venki, for the introduction. And likewise... Thank you everyone for taking the time to attend today's uh, webinar. My hope is this will show you just some of the really cool things that you can accomplish using any kind of curated data. And although today we're showing uh, examples of Kyogen's curated data, realistically speaking, if no matter what approach you're using, it's super important to mix together both your hypothesis generating uh, sources of information with real world data to just back up and validate uh, all of the cool, crazy ideas you can come up with. As a heads up, the things I'm showing today are for research only. And also, as Venki mentioned, we really do want this to be about as interactive as a one-way webinar can be. So if you have any questions whatsoever, please ask them in the Q&A box. And also, this is being recorded, and that recording will be available uh, pretty much about two hours after the webinar. You will have to refill in your uh, information when you click the registration link again. It's a little annoying, but you can always then re-click on that link to re-watch the webinar. And we will eventually be hosting one of these permanently on Kyogen's website. The final thing that I really like reminding people is follow-up assistance and training are included in your license for any Kyogen data product. So if you're using Ingenuity Pathway Analysis, you're using Omicsoft Studio, or you happen to be subscribers for the full-blown biomedical knowledge base access or the Omicsoft programmatic interface, we're more than happy to help you uh, figure out, hey, how do I accomplish my use case? How do you accomplish uh, the tasks that you need. And honestly, sometimes it's figuring out just how to query those things in SQL. So feel free to shoot me an email if you do need any of that one-on-one -on -one help or contact your account manager. We can always set up time with your field application scientists. So I want to get through this intro as quickly as possible because slides are boring. It's way more fun to go ahead and see what's available and what's possible. But to start with, I do wanna point out that Kyogen manually curates data. Yes, we do use machine learning to prioritize papers. We do have uh, a good idea of the kinds of things that people are interested in, especially because we take requests. If something is not in our database, let us know. But overall, something that we've found just over the past 20 years it turns out that about a third of all uh, geo data sets or manuscripts have some sort of typo or small mistake. Uh, my favorite example actually comes from my grad school years when I did chip sequencing. And I had no reason uh, as a scientist to make sure that my metadata tables were absolutely correct. So when I uploaded my K562 
data to Geo, uh, I dragged and dropped. And all of a sudden I had K563, K564, K565 cells. Any scientist can figure out immediately that that's an error and they can just fix that on the spot. But if you're ingesting data wholesale into your data lake, you really need to have some level of manual curation and oversight to catch that. In addition, about five to 10% of the time, there's some sort of uh, egregious error, something that requires author intervention to fix. Uh, my favorite example of that would be when an author realizes that they've made a mistake in their original data, they don't correct the original manuscript, but they do fix the metadata table for their subsequent publications using the same data. If we spot that kind of inconsistency, we'll reach out and figure out which one is correct. And that level of effort is something that we are proud to apply to research findings, uh, as well as curated omics data. So in terms of the actual data that Kyogen curates, we essentially have three broad collections, and today I'm going to be focusing on two of them. Curated research findings, these are what power our software tool called Ingenuity Pathway Analysis, which uh, many of you likely use to build networks from scratch to identify uh, causal directionality and changes in your biology uh, for any comparison you upload. All of that is powered by manual effort, reading papers and asking, hey, if there is this gene, gene A, chemical A, protein A, and it's related to this downstream effect B, let me go ahead and characterize those and just add them to a database. So this is ultimately a database of relationships. And all of that metadata uh, can be searched using uh, either directly using BKB or using a downstream tool like Ingenuity Pathway Analysis. We also happen to curate omics data. And what that means is we're ingesting data sets. We are taking the time to realign RNA sequencing data from scratch and performing the differential expression analysis again from scratch. But aside from that, all we're doing is making sure everything is using controlled vocabulary and making sure that everything is normalized consistently. So you can search across thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of individual samples. Uh, we currently uh, just broke the 10,000 study mark in terms of curated information in this repository. And that's Omicsoft. We also happen to partner with uh, a number of really great sources to bring you HGMD as well as Cosmic. And then we also have our own variant curation with the Human Somatic Mutation Database. And these will ultimately contribute, but today we're focusing on BKB and Omicsoft. And it turns out that there's really some cool ways to integrate and work between them. So today, what I really want to emphasize is that you can come up with some really cool networks and hypotheses using a tool like BKB. This is where you're going to be able to find things like how your gene of interest might be connected to other genes that might ultimately affect or influence your disease. And that might give you ideas for drug targets. But ultimately, you need to uh, validate those 
at least somewhat with some real world data. And that can be as simple as asking, how are my candidate targets expressed in a number of different cell types? That way you don't waste valuable time or resources chasing down false leads. In terms of accessing the data, we try to make it as easy as possible to access these things uh, in a number of different ways. We have easy to use interfaces that are actually intended for bench biologists like Omicsoft Studio or our web version, Land Explorer. And that'll let you access all of this sequencing data that's present in Omicsoft. But sometimes you really need a faster way to get at the good stuff inside. And that's why we also happen to offer that data through both flat file as well as APIs. In this case, today, we're going to be using the Python uh, APIs to access our uh, hosted SQL query engine. And we offer this for both Omicsoft as well as for the biomedical knowledge base. And that's going to allow us to really search across all of these relationships to see how our genes, chemicals, and drugs interacting with each other, and how are they related uh, ultimately to downstream diseases and biological functions. So today, getting out of the slides, the use case that I want to explore is a really simple idea. Uh, essentially, I wanted to come up with some cool drug targets from scratch. And to do that, I wanted things that could be targeted. I wanted to know what were the cell surface proteins, uh, what was uh, available and accessible. And once I had those, uh, I wanted to filter down that list to things that are not expressed uh, in normal tissue. Reason being, uh, I want to make sure that whatever I'm looking at is not necessarily going to impact uh, normal biology if I modulate it. Then after that, I can go ahead and see which one of those uh, results actually has an effect in disease. Uh, what has been observed to differentially change uh, and in what tissues. And once I have that information, I can then take and identify those candidates and figure out how are they connected. And this is where uh, I have a list of potential drug targets. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this Jupyter notebook. And this is something that I can go ahead and provide by email after today's training but we'll email this to everyone who registered. And overall, this has a number of links that include things like the documentation, schema, and query examples. And I wanna be sure that I cover that first. So whenever you go to the Kyogen Digital Insights webpage, either if you go to this link directly or alternately, if you happen to go to your product login and then click on these uh, resources below, that'll bring you to all of the cool Kyogen data products that you subscribe to. I work here, so I get access to all the goodies. But here, uh, I want to be sure to show you that we have resources for both the Kyogen biomedical knowledge base 
as well as for the omics offline content. So in this biomedical knowledge base section, we have a number of really handy documents. These are things like uh, the various software packages, so the Python and the R libraries. We also provide the data in a variety of formats. So for example, if you happen to subscribe to the entire database, you can download a pre-built SQLite database. We have scripts to go ahead and convert that to other formats. We have a full-blown Neo4j export object ready to go. And we also have various uh, flat files that you can download to build your own databases. The main thing that I want to point out is that we have a number of really handy resources at the top. The schema is something that I'm going to keep open today because this is just really handy when building queries. So this will give us an overview of all of the data. And if we're interested in looking at one of these tables in more detail, we can always click anywhere on this interactive to then figure out what are the column IDs? What are the tables and values uh, that can be seen within? In addition to the schema, we also have query examples and tutorial notebooks available. So these query examples help show you how would you craft a query and execute some of these questions. And the tutorial notebooks would be resources showing you how do you explore these? How uh, have we used uh, these tools in the past to answer common questions? In addition to the biomedical knowledge base info, I'm also going to show that we have the same information available for the Omicsoft content. And here, just like before, we have the query examples and tutorials. We have the documentation with handy cheat sheets and conversion tables. We have flat files that you can download if you would rather work with your own locally hosted instance. And then for the data model, this helps figure out how to link all of these tables together. And then also, what can you see within each of these databases? So shifting back to the notebook, again, we have the documentation that's always accessible. So if you get a little bit lost, I've tried to comment and make this pretty clear, but again, it's uh, definitely a interesting, uh, way to access data. So feel free to get in touch. For getting started, today I'm actually going to be using the Kyogen hosted information. So that means that I can go ahead and connect directly to our uh, web instance. And this can be done using this simple Python command. If you happen to have a locally hosted database, you can still use the API the exact same way with the exact same queries. But otherwise, in terms of running things, all you need to do is run this simple command. And this will go ahead and just help you generate a connection token. And in this case, I've already run this in the past 30 days, so it just connects immediately. There are other login options for both of these. For example, I have single sign-on for my uh, Omicsoft programmatic interface login. So I just click to launch that uh, instance. 
And then it gives me a link to go ahead and just verify. Yes, I, I do in fact have access to this. Otherwise, because I'm using Python, I do want to import just a number of these uh, convenience functions. And once I do that, I am ready to go. Also, if you are using the SQL uh, approach to access BKB, uh, it is possible to see how much data you have remaining and as well as how big is a, a query going to actually be. So for anything, you can always run a dry run on a query. So let's go ahead and just start with this process. So completely from scratch, I want to know just what proteins are observed on the cell surface. Uh, this is where I don't even have a starting point. I just want to know some of that basic information. And to get that answer, what I'm going to use is a simple SQL query and ask our biomedical knowledge base for the uh, localization information for every single node that we have in our network and also require that that location be on the cell surface. And so I'm getting that information from this gene subcellular location table, which is one of the many tables that are present in that biomedical knowledge base. This query takes roughly three seconds to run, so super fast. And the results that I get are essentially a list of 2,085 different genes and proteins. So right away, I just have that starting point. I have that list of things that I know are at least they're on the cell surface. If I wanted to filter that even further, it's possible to do that staying within BKB or IPA. So for example, I looked for the localization on the cell surface, but if I want to, I can also require that the function uh, of that item be a transmembrane receptor, or I could be looking only for kinases. So if you want to limit things based on molecular function, that's also possible. So all of that information is available to explore. So here, for example, if I wanted to look just at transmembrane receptors, I could. I'm actually curious if there are any cell surface kinases. Probably not. Oh, wow, there's actually 90 of them, 91 of them. Cool. So again, figuring out targets is very possible. Finally, we have this slightly more tricky query, and this is where we are shifting to the omics data. So I have a list of 2,085 cell surface proteins. And I stored those in this variable. However, I want to use real-world data to narrow this list down. And this is where I want to ask, for those 2,000 or so proteins, which ones are poorly expressed in pretty much any uh, available non-immune-privileged cell type? And to answer that, I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of the Omicsoft curated uh, data for GTEx, uh, the uh, gene tissue repository of normal tissue. 
So using GTEx, I can ask across every single tissue that I want. I can filter out tissues I'm not interested in. For example, I went ahead and filtered out testes. And here I'm looking in all 29 other GTEx tissues. And I'm asking for every single protein or gene that I'm looking at in all 29 of these tissues, uh, report whether or not the 99th percentile gene FPKM is uh, less than one. So essentially, if your TPM is less than one at the high end of expression, that gene is pretty poorly expressed in that individual tissue. And so that will give a, a tally of one. And the max score in this case would be 29, meaning you're poorly expressed in all 29 tissues. This query does take a little bit longer to run, so I'm not going to run it today live. It takes about 40 seconds. But even a complicated question like this, it's really easy to go ahead and assemble this table. So in this case, we have uh, expression information in GTEx for about half of those uh, proteins that we identified as cell surface proteins. And then of those, the particular genes that were poorly expressed in every queried GTEx tissue are these 12 results. So IL-5, CD200, R1L, NTN3, uh, all of these are this is our short list of candidates. And this is something that we can really easily stash in a variable. So in this case, I went ahead and created this variable for poorly expressed cell surface proteins. And this list was generated using that omics off data, but starting with BKB to get that list. So just in summary, we started with everything cell surface. And then once we had that, we filtered that down to things that are poorly expressed. And we answered those questions with BKB, as well as Omicsoft. So with that, I can see that it's been about 30 minutes or so. So I just want to pause and ask if uh, there were any questions so far. And Venki, feel free to ask any questions that maybe come to your mind. Just to remind everyone, you can use the chat function or the Q&A to ask questions. I had a, a basic question, Kyle, um, and that is, um, what is, uh, is there a way where we can directly access some sort of a library of methods or functions uh, within BKB? Oh, definitely. So. Currently, I went ahead and queried everything by SQL, but if you want to instead use some of the built-in functions, uh, you can always go to the documentation. So here 
when I go to this Kyogen webpage, I go to the biomedical knowledge base. And then from here, I download the documentation as a PDF. It turns out we have some really handy built-in functions that we can open up and view for uh, a number of tasks. So this could be things as simple as searching uh, the ontology that we have present throughout. So this can be getting children or getting parent nodes for any of these categories. You can also use this to uh, say, search for various metadata, uh, expand gene groups and gene identifiers. And also, in addition to the queries, you can do things like export uh, graph objects. So you can do that in either Network X or Neo4j, of course. Perfect. Thanks, Kyle. Um, the other question I also had is some of our uh, audience is also familiar with IPA. And so there are a number of methods also in IPA that uh, are accessible through the interface. Do these list of functions include some of the IPA functionality? Uh, what, how, if I'm an IPA user, how do I then translate some of those uh, activities or views uh, using BKB? That's a good question. So to answer that, uh, essentially, if you're using IPA exclusively to access the same content, uh, you would answer some of these questions by creating a network from scratch and maybe using the grow tool. If you wanted to do some of the IPA functions within BKB, however, it is possible to perform some of the upstream and downstream regulator analyses completely within BKB. Or if you happen to be a user of both, it's possible to create a network in BKB and then just export that to your local IPA client if you'd prefer to browse it that way. I had one more question that comes to mind. This uh, has been asked a few times, which is, is it possible for... Um, is it possible to query for relationships within a specific primary cell type? Uh, that answer also is yes. In this case, the way that you would access that kind of query or figure out how to write that kind of query, you would probably go ahead and take advantage of the information that's stored uh, within the schema. So if your connection is going to be from a molecule to a disease and function, we have two types of tables, one of which has all of the data, as well as something where we have an aggregated table. But for if we're looking at all of the relationships in detail, we can very easily access details like where, uh, what's the primary cell name, uh, or tissue that that particular item was expressed in. So you can filter the knowledge that we've curated based on those terms. There's a question uh, in the, in the Q&A here, Kyle, uh, that says, I noticed that a secreted protein XCL1 appeared among the surface proteins in the query. Is this an error or the surface protein ontology includes secreted proteins? 
That's a great question. So in this case, for the cellular location or the subcellular location, uh, this is where we actually do have quite a lot of information. So it's possible that there was a study that indicated that that item happened to be localized to uh, the cell surface or was at least accessible from the cell surface. Um, we also have details for things that are just completely extracellular. So all of those attributes can be found in the various metadata and ontologies. So for example, uh, here, I should have this subcellular location ontology, and this should have all of the various locations that could be possible. And BKB, as well as IPA, kind of uses a nested ontology. So you can ask a high-level location question, or you can really drill down as specific as you want to go. So with that, I think I'll go ahead and continue on just in the interest of time. And I'll definitely stop for another question break after uh, we take this list and do some cool things with it. So the next thing that I wanted to do, just as a reminder, we had a list of 12 proteins that we identified by taking a simple query in BKB, just give us all proteins that are cell surface, or at least have been observed on the cell surface, and then filter those down to things that have been poorly expressed in every single G-text issue. Now that we have that short list, I wanted to do a discovery question. And that is, I wanted to find out whether or not any of those 12 proteins were are known to be misregulated in disease. And to answer this, one of the best things that we do in Omicsoft is we have pre-calculated comparison data. What that means mm -hmm. is for any given experiment or study, if the authors of the publication happen to report a disease versus normal comparison or a treatment versus control uh, comparison. This can also be things like uh, tissue one versus tissue two, responder versus non-responder, so on and so forth. We will rerun those calculations and we will store those results. And because they're pre-calculated, they're searchable. So I can easily ask for disease versus normal comparisons, where the adjusted p-value has to be less than or equal to 0.01, and the log two-fold change cutoff has to be uh, an absolute value of two. And so by asking for all of those poorly expressed uh, cell surface proteins and looking across all disease versus normal comparisons, I can go ahead and tally up the number of times each of these appears. And this is where using this query, it takes about 30 seconds to run. I'm able to see how many times each of these genes has shown up in a particular disease state. And this is where I can see that something like NTN3, uh, in addition to showing up for things like follicular lymphoma, I also noticed that there was uh, some brain cancer results. So this uh, medulloblastoma result. IL-5, of course, has a variety of different disease types. I can see NTN3 also showed up in schizophrenia, so there are other neurological indications that might be of interest. 
So what this has done is given me just a list of things that I can potentially follow up on. And just as an example, here, if I search for, say, NTN3 and cancer, this is where I can find a number of results that are describing that there are actually some links between NTN3 and cancer that have been reported. So these are things that are relatively new and not fully explored, which means we have a jump on our competitors. We also have the ability to see whether or not there are any particular tissues that seem to show up uh, more often than others for any of these things. So this is where I just went ahead and searched for these various proteins. And as you can imagine, we have a lot of peripheral blood samples, but this is where I can also see that NTN3 showed up as misregulated in uh, hematopoietic and lymphoid tissue, skin, uh, also uh, cerebellum and synovial tissue. So there is a known brain component for this misregulation. So we now have a candidate. We have NTN3 and I wanna explore medulloblastoma. So to dig further into that, this is where the really complicated and rich relationships within BKB begin to shine. So I'm going to go ahead and explore those connections and try to build some sort of hypothesis network. The first thing that I'm going to do, I just wanna make sure that I'm looking at the most appropriate medulloblastoma variant or uh, annotation in BKB. So before I had this result of cerebral medulloblastoma, so I went ahead and just took medulloblastoma and asked in BKB, uh, how often do these terms show up where the entity name happens to be uh, like medulloblastoma with wild cards on either side? And this is where I can see that this generic entry for medulloblastoma is probably the, the place to start. Though we do have these more specific biological functions that have findings associated with them. So in addition to all of these subtypes, we can focus on that parent category. And then from there, we can start asking really cool questions, like using those disease and relationship, uh, those disease and molecule relationships, we can figure out what is medulloblastoma connected to. So this first question is simply asking for everything where node one is unknown, but node two is our disease. So this would be the medulloblastoma. And by running this query, this is super fast. It takes about four seconds. I can go ahead and export all of the known connections. And I also have the ability to link these connections with findings or other metadata. And I'll show how to do that in a second. Now, something that you'll often want to do is just figure out what are the intermediates between your gene of interest and uh, say a particular disease state. So if NTN3 and medulloblastoma don't have a direct link, 
what's in between them instead? What's that shortest path? And this is where uh, I went ahead and created an SQL query to ask. So for NTN3, what are the connections to NTN3? And then what are the connections to medulloblastoma? And then can I look at and plot the intersection? So that would be where I have those two sections intersected with each other. Again, super fast to run. However, uh, the only shared connection was dexamethasone. So this is where I went ahead and had the hypothesis that instead of NTN3 connecting directly to an intermediate that then connects straight to medulloblastoma, maybe there are two hops in that network. And we can ask that in SQL uh, by saving the variable of those medulloblastoma-associated nodes. So that was what I got from that first query. And now I'm asking the same question, except rather than looking for connections to medulloblastoma, I can focus on just the medulloblastoma-associated nodes. And I can also filter these. So for this particular result, I wanted to get rid of any kind of microRNAs that happen to be uh, in the resulting table. And this query, it still runs pretty quickly. It's about nine seconds. But this gives me those intermediates. This gives me candidates that I might care about. And just to show you what this list looks like with microRNAs present, I went ahead and got rid of that filter. And this is where, again, this should take about 10 seconds. But this is going to give us all of those medulloblastoma-associated uh, intermediates. So those will be the things like NEO1, PRC1, UNC5B. And here, because I believe I have this as a variable, I want to make sure that I uh, have this shortlist. So I've shown you all of those ways to systematically get the, to the connections, but I haven't actually shown you that they, the, the validation, the verification behind those connections. And so if you want to see the evidence, uh, you probably want to dig up the uh, resulting findings. So to do that, I also made sure to create a query that takes those associated nodes and anything that relates NTN3 with those nodes will also have a finding ID. And I can use that to pull all of this finding information. So this is a fairly quick query. It normally takes about 15 seconds, but this is an example of the kind of data that we have underlying IPA's database. So for example, for the connection between NTN3 and NEO1, it turns out that there is a published protein interaction assay. We have a natural language string available to either search for or report if you're building your own tools. And we can also follow up with the actual citations by just pulling up PubMed. Uh, going straight to the finding link or by looking at the resulting finding. And all of these findings 
can also be, again, filtered by any of that collected metadata, whether it's the biofluids, the uh, cell type or tissue that it was obtained in, uh, things like that. Now, everything that I've shown you so far has been done in SQL, but it turns out that there's other ways that you can use to access this information. So something that I also want to be sure to show is the power of Cypher queries. And this takes advantage of the Neo4j export object that you can easily generate using BKB. So if you have a license to Neo4j or you happen to host your own just local copy, you can use Cypher queries to very quickly ask the same kinds of questions and maybe even get better answers. So for example, the four queries that I want to show are one, very quickly, how do I just get NTN3 to medulloblastoma connections? If that doesn't pan out, let me go ahead and get the NTN3 to uh, a two-hop network and have it be directional. And then also, what if I want to just find the shortest paths between NTN3 and medulloblastoma, or between some of the intermediates that I identified as being of interest in medulloblastoma. And so to show those, I went ahead and opened up Neo4j. These take a little bit longer to run, but the good news is you can easily get the same results or even richer results. And you can also access these as a metadata, uh, say in JSON format. So if you would rather stick to a programmatic query, you can. But otherwise, the relationship information is still visible where we have the connections, we have the relationship IDs stored for all of these, and it's possible to follow up on them. So for example, if I wanted to ask for the shortest paths between NTN3 and medulloblastoma, rather than kind of struggle with SQL, it is possible to just simply ask that question directly in Neo4j. And what this is doing is across our aggregate database, it's taking all of the connections for NTN3. It turns out that we have all of the ontology as well for NTN3. So in addition to having NTN3 at the ortholog group level, we have it at the protein or the gene level. We have it in different species. So that's what all of those is a uh, relationships are. But the shortest connections for NTN3 are NTN3 to DCC or to HNRNPH1. From there, these things will either connect to CDK7 or ERK1 and 2. And those in turn are correlated with medulloblastoma activity. And again, all of this is evidence-backed and all of this can then be subsequently queried and shown. And then finally, if you'd rather use Neo4j to validate the items that you identified in SQL, that's also possible. So in this particular query, this is where I simply asked for the shortest paths between a gene 
in this list of names and medulloblastoma. And that's where we have this fairly complex network of interactions where, we, yes, we have these is a items on the outside, but on the inside, we have all of the rich connections that are linking uh, these things to neuroblastoma. And this is where we can easily filter for or identify networks that happen to be, uh, say, due to correlation or due to causation. So for example, this connection would be a causal connection where connecting to YAP1 has been shown to increase uh, neuroblastoma in a causal manner. So just to summarize, there are different ways to access the data within BKB, but all of them let you build out these networks to figure out how are the genes that you're interested in connected to diseases, functions, or indications that you might want to follow up on. And of course, you can also figure out whether or not any of those intermediate connections are known drug targets, so that way you can avoid duplicating effort. So in this case, by taking that same list, I went ahead and asked for all of the drug target information known from that list of results. It turns out that AGT has uh, a handful of drugs that happen to already be approved for, hyper, uh, for hypotension and uh, other disease indications. So AGT might not be what you wanna follow up on unless you're thinking about repurposing one of these drugs. Just to pull that full picture, as I mentioned before, we can use BKB to come up with those cool hypotheses, but you might want to sanity check them using omics auth data. So to validate some of these potential outputs, I just wanna show that it is in fact possible to look for the expression profile of these things uh, systematically. So here, I'm going back to GTEx, that normal tissue repository. And this is where I wanted to go ahead and figure out whether or not these candidates have any correlation across normal tissue. So this is where I can go ahead and search for potential correlation. I can go ahead and output those results that I've calculated in Python as a pivot table or I can also uh, plot everything out. And so this is where, for example, I can see whether or not there's any known correlation between any of these genes. So for example, uh, NTN3 uh, potentially has correlation to AGT in uh, several of these tissues. Or here we have connection between Verma and HNRNPH1. And this is asking in an unbiased manner, just across all of these different tissues, uh, what are the correlations? Where uh, are these things expressed? And what can we identify? And then finally, if you want to dig into single cell evidence, that's also curated in Omicsoft. 
uh, and you can ask questions like, as a function of percentage of cells expressing, how are these things uh, shown? How are these expressed in central nervous system tissue? And this is where, again, I'm taking this list of genes and just asking across these for a pivot table of data. And also the ability to plot across all of these cell types to see which items do have high expression and in what conditions and in what cell types. So in conclusion, I want to be sure uh, to emphasize that this process of searching for uh, hypotheses and then validating them or refining them with real world data really is iterative. Uh, if you have multiple types of data resources, you should be able to bounce back and forth between them to ask these kinds of questions and to just continuously refine, explore more, refine, and ultimately take potentially cool ideas, test them out in the lab and accelerate your discovery program. So hopefully today I've shown you how that might be possible using curated research findings in BKB, as well as curated omics data in Omicsoft Studio or using these APIs. So with that, I'll go ahead and stop here, remind you all about uh, the ability that you just, if you need help, let me know and ask any questions. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, so again, uh, folks, thanks for joining. Again, uh, do feel free to ask questions. I already see a, a few questions here, as well as uh, a few things that I wanted to also um, ask you, Kyle, on, on especially this last section, which is one is you showed us uh, the nice way, uh, nice interplay between the knowledge uh, graph that BKB has and the omics of data sets. Uh, can you talk about uh, the mapping between ontologies between these two products? Are they, how do they map together? How to best get the, the most out of these two products together? That's a great question. So the answer is we're working on it. It turns out that uh, we do have some amount of separation of the ontologies for things like cell types and disease names between them, but we're working very hard to unify them, especially because we figured out how easy it is to just combine the two to look at it, look at them. So the way that I linked these databases was through all of the gene names and identifiers, since those are controlled and consistent across uh, databases. That said, we do have conversion tables to help you translate uh, the disease ontologies or the cell type ontologies to the uh, respective identifiers. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, the couple other questions here. One is that this is pretty straightforward. How frequently does the data get updated in, in both these products? That's a good question. In terms of the actual backend databases, so the, the biomedical knowledge base and Omicsoft, we update their content on a quarterly basis. That said, if you're using a tool like Ingenuity Pathway Analysis, we do publish new publications uh, that we've curated on a weekly basis in that tool. So the overall database quarterly, but if you want a faster turnaround of those relationships, you can use IPA to get that. 
And a follow-up to that question, um, because we update these quarterly, can you also comment on how some folks could pull from a particular version of the database? Definitely. So everything that we use should have uh, version information available. So if you want to use a controlled or a specific version of BKB or Omexsoft, you can always use this drop-down menu to select what version of the flat files you want to access. Also, there should be the ability to uh, tag for version information. So let's say, for example, you're looking at the Omicsoft uh, fields. You should be able to look in the schema and pull the date that a particular item was updated. So for example, for a given project, I'm going to just load human disease, go to the project information. And then once I've opened that project information, uh, we will have the update uh, information. Perfect. Uh Couple last questions here. Um, also, uh, would you find mapping between content in BKB and Omicsoft from the same paper? The answer is yes. Um, the question would be whether or not the respective curation teams have looked at the same paper. For really important or frequently requested papers, that absolutely is going to happen. That said, a whole lot of the content in BKB is completely independent of uh, RNA sequencing or microarray. So findings in BKB are not limited to transcriptomics or proteomics. BKB findings can be things like Western blots or uh, amino assays. Uh, there's any kind of data type result can show up as a relationship in BKB. Perfect. Thanks, Kyle. That is all the questions we had. I will uh, ask the attendees to help us answer this final poll. This will help us um, improve the product as well as you know answer questions as a follow up. So please take maybe a couple minutes, and then uh, at in just a minute we'll close the session. Again, thanks so much for attending and uh, your participation. Uh, do look forward to. Um, the post-training survey, and as well as the recording. Thanks again for joining today. Likewise, uh, we'll be sure to email to uh, all attendees a copy of that Jupyter Notebook and also a PDF of the slides. Okay. I am going to let the poll run for another minute, and at 7.30, we'll close the call. Thanks so much. Take care.